Chris sent me a text a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, I got a new gospel acclamation. What do you think? And uh, had the audio. It sounded pretty bad. And um, had these electric drums on it. He said, no, no, it's going to be great. It sounds like a Journey song. Just wait till Dave plays it. Dave, our drummer. Where's Dave? Dave in the corner. Dave, our drummer. He's like, it's going to sound like a Journey song. And of, of course it did. I'm like, Dave, thank you. It's great Steve Smith fills. Steve Smith, the second drummer of Journey, the first one being Ainsley Dunbar, you know that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not a fan. Um, <laughs> anyway. All right, now I've told this story before so many times, but it's all I got. So just pretend you've never heard it before if I've told it. A number of years ago, my friend says to me, hey, Let's take my dad's boat up to Powell. You know, we'll get some meat and some beverages. Well, I have a couple days. Okay, so we'll go up to Powell. It's a nice boat, you know, uh, and sleep underneath and all that stuff, and pretty big size boat. So we get up there and we're playing cards and uh, having beverages and uh, and we're like, well, let's go deeper. So we, we go deeper in, and you know that Powell is basically, you know, a water-filled canyon with all of these, you know, small canyons that branch off. So um, we're like, well, let's go into one of these cool canyons and just kind of explore. So we go in, and we're going back and back and back and back. And, um, and it was off-season, so there wasn't hardly anyone there. It was a little chilly. Back and back and back, and then the boat died. <laughs> it died, and I don't know anything about boats. Um, apparently, he didn't either. <laughs> Couldn't get it started. So we sat in, it was off-season. There's not a lot of boats coming around, and when you're in these uh, side canyons, it's not like there's beaches. I mean, once in a while there is, but but it's kind of straight cliffs, so... What do we do? Do we try to swim out to the channel? That sounds like a bad idea. Or do we wait? So we waited for five hours until finally a, a speedboat came into the, into the channel, pulled us out, you know, the side channel, pulled us out into the main channel, gave us a jump. This is great. You know, we start hightailing it back to one of the marinas to figure out what's wrong, and the boat dies in the main channel. It was also getting windy, really windy. And uh, so we called, we were able to, to call the, the marina and say, hey, you know, we're, we need help, we need assistance. And they said, well, the storm is getting so bad, you're gonna have to wait till morning. We won't even travel to get you because the waves are too high. So, Good luck. <laughs> so we, you know, we dropped the anchor. Oh, wait, let me go back. Oh, so this is great. So we're in the side channel before we get rescued. And, you know, my friend is like, well, let's, I don't know, let's see if we have a radio. We have, he found a flare gun, a flare gun. Why are you laughing at me, Deacon? He found a flip. This was one of the most depressing moments of my entire life. 
because we went from hope to depression in an instant. He raised up his arm. It's a canyon. He raised up his arm and shot the flare, and it went a third of the way up the canyon and just fell. We realized then the limitation of flare guns. So we're in the main channel. Sorry, got to wait till morning. Storm. And of course, you drop anchor, but it's like three million feet deep, so that doesn't matter. And all night, the boat is just spinning around. It was a wonderful evening. No power, nothing. So the, the feeling of helplessness, you know, I, I mean, I didn't suspect I was going to die, but the feeling of helplessness certainly is something we, we all have probably stories like that, feeling totally helpless, and that was definitely one of mine. So we can imagine the disciples in the boat, not a very deluxe boat, just a fishing boat, small fishing boat at the time. And they're out on the lake, and the storm's brewing, and it's getting so bad that they're taking on water, which is really bad. And they're freaking out. You know, we, this is serious. People, you know, especially at that time, you know, people could definitely die from such an experience. They're, they're in serious trouble, and they know it. And then somebody's like, well, where's Jesus? Now, where's Jesus? He's, he's laying on a cushion asleep. How is this possible? We're going to die. We're taking on water. He's sleeping on a cushion. Why a cushion? Just to show how cozy up he got. He was so cozied up that, that he was so unbothered. He was completely at peace, at rest. And they're like, well, hey, wake him, wake him up. Do something. It's like, why are you waking me up? It's like I was having a good dream. I was getting a good sleep. Why are you waking me up? Well, the storm. Look at the storm. Look at how horrible it is right now. And he doesn't even really remark too much about it. He just, yeah, he calms the storm. He says, don't you have faith? Look who's with you. You're not going to die. You're fine. You're absolutely fine. Sometimes it seems like God is asleep on a cushion. Where is he? What's he doing? Doesn't he see the tumultuousness of my life right now? Doesn't he see how hard it is in my life? Doesn't he see all of the difficulties and stress and anxiety and it just piles up and piles up? Doesn't God see that? Where is he? Asleep on a cushion. Which is to say, he's right there and he knows. But yet, there's so many things that can overcome us, or we think they're going to overcome us. And a lot of people, uh, it's anxiety and stress, anxiety over, I don't know, uh, a job or, or a business or, you know, and, and I see this with a, lo a lot of times with men particularly, but women as well. They get so consumed about 
kind of the job and the business and all of that, that, that it takes over their lives. You know, it just becomes so, so much anxiety. It's hard to deal with. Or the anxiety over parents do this with their children, you know. They're raising the children, and it could be different stages of their child's life, but the anxiety over, I've got to do this right. We've got to raise them properly. You know, what if I mess up? What if I don't make the right decision here? What if I don't make the right decision here? I'm going to completely ruin their lives. The anxieties we have about our lives... And usually the anxiety is there because we're overrating, overemphasizing our actual influence and how much control we have. I remember when, now I'm going to use me as a positive example. I'll use me as plenty of negative examples, but this is somewhat of a positive example, I guess. When, the, when all the pandemic stuff started, you know, people are asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And for some reason, I just, I don't tend to get anxious about stuff like that. And I just said, well, we're just going to do what we can do. Is that going to be enough? I don't know. Shouldn't you do more? I don't know. I'm just going to do what I think we should do. Let's do that. Okay. (laughs) And let, we'll just let God worry about the rest. Eh, we'll let him worry about it. It's his church. I mean, even if they fire me, they, you know, I'll get another job somewhere. You know, there's a little church somewhere. I probably won't break that. So, anyway, I'll do what I can do, and I'll let God worry about the rest. And we look at our lives and the, the anxiousness in our lives, and again, the anxiety rises the more that we think we're actually affecting the outcome. We're affecting it to some degree but we're not trusting God enough to fill in what we're lacking, and so we get anxious. Now, what about even the more difficult things? What about, what about uh, you know, when our children are actually really suffering, when our children are ill, seriously ill, where is God? When our relationships are not going well, we don't know how to fix them, where is God? when uh, life is not going our way, in so many ways that can happen. It's just not going the way we thought it would go. Where is God? Where is he? He's asleep on a cushion. (laughs) He's there. And he's saying to us, whether it's anxiety, whether it's suffering, whether it's difficult, whatever it is, he's saying to us, yeah, I know the storm's there. I created the conditions by which the storm comes to be. I know. But you are not meant for this life anyway. Stop expecting this life to be perfection. It never will be because I didn't create it to be perfection. The more that we try to find perfection or complete fulfillment in this life, the more that we're going to fail and the more depressed or or upset we're going to be because we're looking for this life to be the goal. This life is always going to be weeds and wheat, good and bad. This life is always going to be a mixture of joy and sadness, hope and despair. 
It, it was meant to be that. That's how he created it. And part of the reason, one of the main reasons, is so that we don't forget we were not meant for this life in the end. That we're created for God. We're created by God and to go back to God. That he is our eternal destiny. Here, there is much good and love and joy and fulfillment. And we should desire that and pursue that. But there is also much suffering and sacrifice. And we need to accept that. We need to accept that as something that can teach us things, help us to grow, and help us to advance so that by the end, we're truly prepared for God for all of eternity. And there, no anxiety, no suffering, no pain, no evil, just all goodness, joy, and fulfillment. Please stand.